So Jasmine, would you like to tell people the story of how we met? Jasmine stalked me. Well, you just gave it away. Everyone and welcome to the very first episode of Written Chaos. Woohoo! My name is Bailey Peabody. I'm a playwright and screenwriting major. I am 21 years old, and to the left of me is a guitar that I never learned to play. It's just for aesthetic. Jasmine, would you like to say something? Yes, my name is Jasmine Farafino. I am 23 years old. I'm a creative writing major, and I don't have a witty thing except that my hair is blue. Her hair is blue, ladies and gentlemen. Her hair is blue. You know what this reminds me of? You know, in college, when you introduce yourself and you have to pick something really interesting about yourself and then nothing comes into your head and you end up with something like, your hair is blue. I think the last time I did that, I was like, I learned how to knit. And they were like, (laughs) cool. And I was like, yeah, we're going through a lot right now as a country, Uh, a global pandemic, one of the biggest elections in American history. And routines have definitely been changing uh now that we're all stuck at home uh jasmine what have you been doing since march well i spent most of my time at home because well we're quarantined of course yep and i'm back home with my parents which is an interesting predicament um but i've been spending a lot of my time playing video games i never thought i would own a switch i own a switch now and i can't stop playing it and now animal crossing has infiltrated my life and i can't stop talking about my villagers and my island i literally reached a five-star island and tumbled it down because I was bored of its aesthetic. That's how weird my life has been. That's really impressive. I also impulse bought a Switch uh, over quarantine. And I think it was just one of those things where like everyone was like, I feel like I got to go somewhere else, but I can't leave the house. Vigi game. What have I been doing over quarantine? I have a very addictive personality. So I kind of fixate on one thing for a long time. Um, over the summer, it was uh, committing myself to making sure that, hey, everyone understand. All people are equal Um, and making sure that the people who run this country understood, hey, all people are equal. Um, I kind of jumped off that for a little bit um, and focused on less important things like TV shows or knitting or books or for a while I dived into school. Um, I'm kind of diving back out of it and that's not good because now it's paper writing season. Um, And, you know, I feel like the longer this goes on, the almost harder it's getting, but in some ways easier. Because it's kind of your new normal. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. It's starting to settle down on me. Like, I'm okay with the environment I'm currently in now. I think it took a very long time for me to be comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But I'm adjusting like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like masks. Like, when I go to the store, I don't, I'm not weirded out anymore by seeing someone in a mask. If anything, I'm weirded out by seeing someone without a mask. I'm like, oh, I can see your chin. I don't like it. Um, i heard people's theories of, like, watching movies and being like, oh, my God, why aren't they wearing a mask? I've done that. I've watched crowds. And I've been like, you're not wearing a mask. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like I, social distance. I totally agree. I totally had done done that at a point. And my friends have come up to me and said the same thing. And I'm just like, yeah, that's our reality. Yeah, it's it's weird now. Um, So you might be saying to yourself, OK, these are just two college students. Like, what do they know about writing? Well, hey, listen, listen, we have achievements. For example, we run our writers club at school. Shout out to writers club. We love you. Each and every one of you. Uh, Jasmine is the vice president of Raiders Club at our school, and I am the secretary. Uh, I have not been keeping up with my job. Uh, it sits in one of my tabs on my computer, staring me in the face, and it's like, hey, you going to do me yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't. 
It's a tricky time. Uh, but we also have other achievements. I wrote my high school play senior year. Granted, I didn't want anyone to know that it was me. It wasn't like one of those things where I was under like a stage name or anything. Like it, they knew it was me. But every time someone was like, hey, you wrote the school play. That's really interesting. I'm like, don't look it. <laughs> uh, that's just so funny that you didn't want any of ooh, that you didn't want any of these achievements. Like you didn't want people to know that you wrote this. I I would love for people to know my project. I do not want people to know that I'm the one that wrote them. Do you feel people are going to be like a little biased towards it or something? Or you just don't like the thing that comes with it? I guess that's the right word. It's one of those things where if, uh, if you like it, great. And I know that that's going to change your opinion of me. If you don't like it, that is also going to change your opinion of me. So I would prefer we just don't do it all together. Maybe I should come up with a stage name. <laughs> Theodora Thompson. <laughs> That's it's a work in progress. <laughs> okay, Theodora Thompson. <laughs> yes, Theodora Thompson. Who said who? Who's Bailey? Um, we don't know her anymore. <laughs> we don't. Who's she? Never heard of her. Uh, Jasmine, what uh, what are some achievements you have that qualify you to talk about the arts? I feel like I have a different idea of what achievement means um i'm going to give you something that sounds more like achievement than something that actually feels like an achievement um so a couple years ago maybe no not a couple maybe like a year ago this club that we were in did an event called dirty laundry which was a really cool interesting event that kind of made art that acts work from artists from like screenwriting playwriting poetry fiction and actual like artwork like graphic art and illustrations and sculptures to submit their work to this um exhibit that we were going to do where we kind of showcase the artwork along an art exhibit so along the walls there was like writing all over it and people could read it and there was also like a wall where you could actually write on the wall and we had like live performances and stuff like that and i think about this event and i think about the community that it brought into brought into it and it kind of was baffling how many people showed up and how many people submitted and how lucky we were to have some of them read their work for us and i think that's an achievement like a career or career achievement or like more like a community achievement so my second achievement was this small sculpture i made in second grade and it was a clay kind of ceramic bowl that looked like a star and I kind of was astonished by the fact that people kept gazing at it and telling me, oh, this is really good. But I think it became kind of like a reality that it was good when they had asked me if they could put it in like an exhibit. And I was only in second grade. What can a second grader really make, right? And I still have it. And I think about it and how it's something that kind of started off these achievements and, and at least in the art form format. And I'm proud of it. That's all. <laughs> That's really cool. You should be really proud of it. That's really cute. I really think that taking your art when you're young or like what you're proud of and running with it is kind of a good thing. Some people may disagree with me. They may think like, why get hooked on a pipe dream? But I say, hey, lots of people are pipe dream <laughs> like success stories. So, you know, why can't I be? So, yeah, that qualifies. That's our qualifications. Uh, I say we're pretty qualified. Jasmine, what do you say? <laughs> I agree. We're pretty qualified. We're pretty qualified to talk about these things. Um, I think we both have like a similar joy that kind of qualifies us for this kind of talking. It's not like we're professionals in a way, but I think we want to be. I guess we do want to be, but I think it's kind of like raw ideas and 
avenues towards this field. And it's just a love of what we do and a love of other people and other creations. So Jasmine, would you like to tell people the story of how we met? Jasmine stalked me. Well, you just gave it away. (laughs) Um, So me and Bailey met because I was kind of going through this dean list. And I usually like I felt proud of myself for being on the dean list because I wasn't doing that great in college. I didn't expect to be doing great in a new college. So I just Googled our hometown to see if I could see if other people have come to this college and actually achieved like to be on the dean list too and it was such a shocker to me to find out the only other person who was on that list was a girl named bailey peabody hey that's me and i later on well being at this club that we mentioned before writers club i kind of like noticed that on on the sheet sign-in sheet that we had to do that there was a girl named bailey peabody on the list that's me and i was like overwhelmed by it. I was like, oh my God, who is this person that I, that is from my hometown that I don't know, but participates in this club that I'm a part of. And this was before Bailey was part of like the executive board. (laughs) Not the elective board. No, not the elective board. She corrected me earlier. (laughs) Yes, I did. I was shocked to see later on when Bailey called out her name, because we go around in a circle and we kind of tell each other who we are, what our name is, and some quirky thing about ourselves just to introduce ourselves to the club and bailey was there and she had said my name is bailey and i couldn't contain my excitement i had literally said are you from my hometown are you from insert hometown (laughs) yeah i was just kind of really excited to know who you were and i think that's how kind of it went by there because later on you became part of the board of this club and we started hanging out and stuff yeah and it was through hanging out that we decided to do this podcast that's also a fun story jasmine has instructed me that i tell the story because it's better explained what went through my brain if i tell it so we were working on a project for writers club shout out to writers club we love you And uh, we had been uh, doing a Zoom meeting, working on a PowerPoint together. This episode is not sponsored by Zoom, although if they want to, email address pending. Come talk to us. We'll make a deal. I will pimp your stuff so hard, Zoom. So we were working on a project. A writer's club had recently turned two, and we were working on a little PowerPoint to celebrate that. And we had been talking about an anime club in our school, a subject which I know virtually nothing about. And we decided that we were going to bring it back. Such an idiotic idea, honestly. I thought it was a great idea. (laughs) I remember shooting it down like 10 times. (laughs) Yes. And then all of a sudden she was like, are we really doing this? And I was like, I think so, because you didn't say no. If that is me, I just, I didn't know how a club would be run with a person who didn't know anything about anime. I felt like it would be like we would dedicate the year to telling me about anime and helping me love anime through you loving anime. And I thought that was a really great idea. Jasmine said no. Um, And then we decided instead that we should talk about things we do know in some sort of podcast-related thing through our school's um, radio station. However, we very quickly shot that down because we have very conflicting schedules. Jasmine is a senior and is graduating and is trying to work on her senior project. And I, like a dumbass, am taking 24 credits, am on an executive board of a club, and I'm a student senator. Did I make a mistake? A little bit. Um, so we instead decided to do this uh, podcast, this little project, and make it into some sort of journey where we talk to each other and learn stuff about each other based on the kind of art that we like. And you all get to come along for the ride. Lucky you! 
So we decided this episode not to talk about a specific topic, um, instead help you learn a little bit more about us. So Jasmine and I have come up with some questions to ask each other, sort of interview style. Jasmine, would you like to go first in asking the question or would you like me to go first? I can go first. I okay. Mind. Um, so my first question to you is, what do you believe started your obsession over writing? Was it a particular movie or book? I actually know the answer to this. Uh, the first movie that I really enjoyed watching, and there was a period of time when I was little where I was very strongly, um, I've always grown up with like anxieties and I believe some of it stems from a sensitivity to auditory like stimuli um, where if things are too loud, I cannot function and I get very uncomfortable and tense. And when I went to the movies, it was too darn loud. So when I was younger, my mom would take little cotton balls and put them in my ears so they weren't as loud. And I would listen to the first half of the movie very muffledly before I was comfortable enough and taking them out. Over time, started to really like movies and going to the movies and I didn't have as much of a problem because I was getting used to it. And the first movie that I really liked that I really like enjoyed the writing process of was a movie called The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch and Keira Knightley. It was about World War II and uh, about a man named Alan Turing, who essentially ended the Second World War and invented what would be known as the modern-day computer, something you and I are both looking at right now. The story in itself was very... Um, cliche in terms of the tones they were hitting and the beats they were hitting looking back at it. Back when I was 13, I thought it was a great movie. But there was one scene that's always stuck in my mind and I haven't seen it in a really long time and I really wish I could. I was watching it now, actually. Um, in order to beat the Enigma machine, which was a message uh, encoder that helped uh, the other side not understand the message, um, it had over 1 billion, 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 billion uh, different uh, messages to it. And it would reset every midnight. So the British would then have to like figure it out again the next day. So Alan Turing invented this machine to like help speed the process along. And it was the scene where they figured out how to break it. And the music swells and they're running around and they're doing all these things. And I remember sitting there getting chills being like, this is what movies should do. They should make you excited. And that's when I really decided like, hey, I'm going to start writing movies because this guy can do it. I could do it too. And that's what a 12-year-old me did. <laughs> Oh, that's great. If that isn't, like, what all of us do. Yeah, absolutely. I have kind of, like, a similar story, I guess, of, like, I guess not a movie or a book, but um, I did get inspired by, like, a professor when I had written, like, the story when I just started writing, and she had told me, like, hey, you're good at this. And I think at that moment, it had really hit me that maybe I was good at this and maybe this could be something I could do. And it, it had hit me that this was something I loved and couldn't keep my head off of it. And I felt like for the rest of my life, I would be going through this journey of trying to kind of reject, but also accept at the same time that I really did love writing. And I think that's such a hard process because a lot of people kind of shut down this idea of writing being just a hobby. People are like, oh, writing is a hobby. It's not really a career. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that any person who has chosen like art as a field to study feels at the point of life all this rejection towards it and you tend to get like people that are really excited like hey yeah this is so cool that you're doing this and then there's other people who are totally like um so what are you gonna do with that and I think it takes a long time for a person to accept like hey no this is my life and this is what I'm doing like we go into this thinking about it it's not like we have gone here blindly mm -hmm. but yeah um, I have a question. What is a genre you love, but you know you can never write? 
Um, so we kind of talked about this a little bit in the car drive, um, but you were mentioning how horror is like such a hard genre to write. And thinking back about it, I think I completely agree with you. I've never really tried to write a horror, but I can only imagine how hard it is to try to scare a human being. Um, I don't think, I feel like a lot of recent movies haven't been that great at it recently. I don't know if you have any examples of movies that you feel like have achieved this or have not. Okay, I have a couple of examples, um, and in different ways. I No, there hasn't been one jump scare, creature of the night, horror movie that I've been like, this is great. But granted, I haven't been a fan of horror for a very long time. It's a very new thing. It's a very uh, casual relationship. Uh, anything too scary, I will be like, no, 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 no. One movie that I think is really great is uh, Get Out in a way where it's not jump at your face scary, but it's like societally creepy. And like, yeah, obviously this is never going to happen. People are never going to steal another race's brains because they think like it's going to make them cooler. But it's one of those things where you're like, but society, like society speaking, I know what you mean and I get it. And I'm also looking back on actions I've made now and being like, oh, I'm part of the problem. Oh, that's terrifying. And it's like internally terrifying in a way like depending on who you are and what background you come from it's scary for so many reasons and it's it's incredibly scary as a white woman being like oh i'm part of the problem i am the villain and i hate it and i'm so sorry <laughs> i feel like those kind of horror movies are like so effective i tend to really like gravitate towards them although there aren't like the stereotypical types of movies um like i was just mentioning how La Llorona was like an adaptation of like this childhood story I heard my whole life. As a kid, I was told La Llorona will come and get you if you don't behave. And La Llorona is like this woman who killed her family and would cry about it afterwards, but she would kidnap children to kill them. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. I don't know why I can't tell this. Why would they say that to you? Um, it's like a thing we do. We it's like a scare tactic. I mean, my dad used to tell me, like, if you don't go to sleep, the boogeyman's going to get you. But, like, I never believed anything my dad said. So I'd be like, no. <laughs> and I would go to sleep. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of, like, things that, like, many parents tell their children just so they can behave. And sometimes you think about it and you're like, why would you say that? Yeah, why would I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely something we do. I expected a lot from it. Not really. I don't know. I just expected a movie that was able to pull it off. And sadly, it did not. Um, and I started just really getting to movies recently because my boyfriend really likes movies and we watch a lot of movies these days. We uh, should have him as a guest. Him and I will just talk. <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued as what he would say, actually. I would be really interested on it. But we were wa we watched a bunch of like movies like Midsummer and if not like I watched like Hereditary with my friends Gah. oh no actually I didn't watch it with my friends I did watch it with my boyfriend <laughs> um, I watched Hereditary um, actually on his birthday um, which is Valentine's Day and I had oh lovely <laughs> lovely absolutely I know it's not like the greatest thing to watch a horror story on like the most lovable day of the year. I will never watch Hereditary. <laughs> Absolutely not. You cannot pay me enough money. Come on, like, there's a reason why it's winning awards or won awards. Did it win awards, though? Mm, 
You should watch it. I'm going to look up. <laughs> Honestly, right now, we're going to look up Hereditary and see how many oh, awards are won. God. But keep talking. Um, so I had done this whole thing to watch Hereditary. And I feel like Hereditary did a great kind of plot way. Plot wise, like kind of a tactic of like what are humans and what have we become and I think these are the type of horror movies we kind of need to watch we need to realize that we are the most scary possible thing out there it's not just the ring or this like the ring or like all these myths that we're hearing um, but us I also want to vouch for uh, Happy Death Day, in a sense. Uh, Happy Death Day was one of the first horror movies where I watched it by myself. And I was like, this is funny. Like, (laughs) and not funny as in, like, I'm laughing at it. It was like, no, this is, like, funny and scary. And, like, and people thought it was, like, cheesy because, like, the main character's name was Tree. But I, I loved it. And I was like, this is such a great. And I also watched it close to Valentine's Day. Oh. (laughs) I watched it by myself in my dorm room by myself. Um, happy Valentine's Day to me. I'm currently looking it up and any of the major awards Hereditary has not won. There are things like the Detroit Film Critics Society Awards, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. You really came here and outed me. The Golden Trailer Awards, the St. Louis Gateway Film Critics Association. I am not seeing anything for the Oscars well. or the Golden Globe. You've been <laughs> debunked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, like, sometimes you can toe the line between, like, it can't all be scary or else you're, like, they're going to be looking away for half of the movie. Like, there has to be some sort of, like, toe back in, like, some sort of, like, hey, not every beat is going to be scary, so you got to go into something else. It could be dramatic. It could be anything like that. I think movies where it's relying solely on making you scream, that's why they aren't selling well. Um, I would like to tell a little story. I, when I was 14 years old, knowing nothing about horror movies, tried to write one. It was uh, called The Murderous Hex. It was about eight friends. They moved into a house together uh, down the street from their college. And they attend a block party and everyone's like, I wonder why the house is so cheap. And all the little kids in the neighborhood are like, that's because it's haunted. And they sing a little song that I wrote. I'm not going to sing it now because it's a little creepy and also terrible. And one by one, they start to slowly get picked off. Now, I writ. I've written about 30 pages of this movie. Um, I never give up on a project. I always make sure they're finished no matter how terrible they are. That's one thing about me. I never quit. Um, Not one jump scare. Not one. We haven't even mentioned the scary murderous hex. Uh, It's turned into a friend drama and I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, So we've learned something. I can't write horror and that's fine. You know what's funny? I... Now coming to my head, like, I do not think I'll be able to write historical fiction. Like, I know horror, I definitely can't write, but definitely not historical fiction. History has always been, like, a really hard thing to, like, grasp in my head, and I could only, I could only imagine how badly it could go. Like, I've seen, like, my peers write stories, and I'm always a little bit, not a little bit, I'm very impressed by them and how they're able to incorporate these things. There's just things that my head can't wrap, but at least I know most the most important thing. Right. As a uh, double major in history, history, uh, historical fiction and historical bio- like autobiographical is always something that's very interesting to me. Uh, for a playwriting class, we had to write a one-act play, and I titled it 1968, which was historically known as the worst year in American history. I believe that that is now not true anymore. Um, that's an oops. 
And it was fun, like looking at like, okay, if what time in 1968 when I want to do it, if I did it after April, that means both Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy have been shot. If I do it in June, I could do it when Bobby Kennedy was shot. And it's fun, like tying those together and like kind of like, hey, these are major historical events that you always think about. But when you're living through history, you don't understand what it's going to look like 20 years from now. Like we're going through history now and it's... We don't know what that's going to mean to people a generation later. So it's fun to look back and be like, what was it like for someone living through this time period? We will never understand that because we weren't there, but this is as close as we can get. That's so true. We're literally a part of history right now. And it's kind of like shocking. I was, I guess we have this running joke on like Instagram and like TikToks that, oh my God, we're going to be in the textbooks. And that's kind of like... Scary and shocking. And today is especially um, historical. Um, Today is November 7th. Uh, It is the day that Joe Biden has been elected uh, and projected to win and be the 46th president of the United States. And Kamala Harris is expected to be the first female, the first female woman of color. Yeah, go ahead. Clap. clap. (laughs) Yes. Clap for Kamala. Clap for Kamala. We love you so much. Um, Side note, if this ages terribly and something has happened and Joe Biden is no longer our president, don't tell me I would like to live in this moment. Don't look at me like that can't happen. (laughs) I'm afraid. I mean, we are living through history and this is one of those times where we're living through history and we know it. Yes, I completely agree with that. There have been so many times uh, where we've lived through history and we don't even know it yet. I mean, who's where's the one... Like, there may be a little girl today that's like, hey, Kamala Harris is going to be the vice president. I want to be like her. And maybe she'll be, hopefully she won't be the first female president of the United States. Good God, I hope it's sooner than that. Um, But, you know, history is one of those things that always kind of, I believe, has a direct line to fiction. And to the arts, because, for example, after Hillary Clinton was, uh, the American public decided they did not want her to be president. Jasmine's phone is going off in the middle of my lovely story. Jasmine's turning her phone off now, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. You can leave this in. This is fine. Um, So anyway, after the American public, I guess, I guess decided that they didn't want Hillary Clinton to be president. It depends on, you know, what vote you want to count. Um, I decided to write a play about a woman running for president and no man, no woman has been president since. And Hillary And learning about Hillary was what sparked her to do it. And I am doing my research now on like what the different parts of government are to write this play. But hopefully when it when I decide to get it produced, if it ever gets produced, it's not still relevant. I would love for it to not still be relevant. Dear God, please don't be relevant. Jasmine, do you have another question for me? Oh, yes, of course, of course. I always have questions. (laughs) Um, So... What's the first thing you remember from your life? I'm going to elaborate on this because it's such a weird okay. question. All right. So as long as I can think about, as long as I can remember, I think about this memory that has no real meaning in a way. Mm-hmm. And it kind of haunts me. I think about it often. And it's the first memory that ever comes into my head from when my life has started. And it's just me, like four years old at my old apartment, looking out the window into the streets, and the sun is blazing over me, and my hands are kind of just caressing, like, the sill of the window, and I'm just looking out, and that's all I remember, and I don't think it's 
anything crazy, but it is something that lingers in my head often. It's my first memory. And I think it might just make it into one of my poems one day because it just haunts me so badly. I'm like, what is so important about this moment that I think about it so much? Mm -hmm. But yeah, do you have anything similar to that? Um, I have one. It's a very tonally different memory than the one you have. Uh, I was about two years old, I believe. Um, I was up here in my room. Uh, Jasmine and I are currently recording this in my room. And if you go out the door of my room, there's a little uh, hallway that I've turned into like a little uh, library nook. And then there's stairs that go downstairs to my like dining room and stuff. And my brother used to live up here. And I just remember, I'm not blaming anybody, but I just remember tumbling down the stairs. And halfway through on the stairs, I kind of rolled so far that I like stood back up. And I remember my brother shouting my name. And then I remember momentum took me back down again. And I rolled down to the bottom part of the stairs. And I remember there was a moment of silence. My brother was upstairs. He upstairs staring down at the stairs. And he was kind of like, oh, my God. My dad was downstairs in the other room. And he heard it. And he didn't make a noise or a sound or anything to show that he made it. And I kind of sat there waiting. And then I started to cry. And now I told my mother this story. I don't know if my brother or my father remember this story. But it's true. And I have proof. There are pictures of me when I was younger. And there's a little tiny cut on the bridge of my nose. And that's how I know that it was real. Uh, I love that. I love that for you. Especially because you're like, oh, no, you guys don't believe me. This is real. I have pictures. <laughs> um, oh. When I was younger, I used to have low muscle tone, which was made it hard for me to, you know, carry myself on my feet. And uh, it caused me to have to go to physical therapy when I was younger and like be taken out instead of going to recess, I would like walk in a straight line and be like, hey, don't fall. Like, and I had people come to my home and like teach me how to go up the stairs because I couldn't go up the stairs correctly until I was like five. I would like crawl up and you can't do that in kindergarten because then the teachers are like, hey, don't do that. So yeah, that's my first memory. It's very different from yours, but I like that it's different. I think that's quite interesting that you mentioned that like you got injured because I, it's very shocking. Like, like how many times you have been injured like I've met people who've broken like their pinky toes and like um their legs and stuff like that and to know that you actually have a valid reason for it is quite interesting I shockingly have never broken a bone congrats to you thank you (laughs) Um, I feel like god knows I would not be able to handle that pain (laughs) (laughs) I think the only similar kind of injury I ever had which is nothing like the one you had um was when I was younger um I was probably like maybe 14 and I was living in the house I'm currently living with with my parents and um I had a neighbor and he lived on top of this hill and I would always go there to hang out with him and like play and on this hill one day I was running up it just to chase him and I fell down in one of the pebble stones that he had on his like on this hill and I kind of just fell down and like the rock scraped my hands and it was completely oh god disgusting honestly that's so gross you could see like where it peeled and stuff in my hands once I got I gotta take out some stones the funny part was that my parents were just like oh just put a band-aid on it oh my god and that's kind of how we do it over at my house (laughs) just hope for the best oh fun fun Um, I think it's interesting that this all correlates to the question. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> speaking of questions, I have another one. 
for those of you that don't know, I am single to the point where it's almost my career to be single. I have never been in love. I have never been in a relationship. I have nothing. I'm nothing. I've nothing. And you know what? I'm almost okay with it. It's part of who I am. It adds to my character, the single one. So as someone who is in a relationship, Jasmine, do you believe that love is portrayed realistically in fiction? What I'm really asking is, is it what it seems like? (laughs) Oh, I always think it's interesting when people tend to be like, you're in a relationship. Give me advice. Tell me, what am I doing? I'm not asking for advice. I'm asking if this is really what I'm missing out on. Because you know what? It doesn't look like fun. (laughs) I I don't think the media really portrays love that accurately. I feel like they're giving this false kind of idea that it's going to be always happy. And also, I don't like the way they present it. I don't like how we're kind of brainwashed from a young age to believe it's in this certain way, kind of this mediocre... Like, for women, I feel like we're supposed to act a certain way or, like, fall in love instantly to the words, I love you. And we're supposed to say them constantly. Like, I don't think it's realistic there's so much going on in a going on in a relationship that we should take note to that i also think as someone who has no clue um that it also impacts men in a way because it seems like you know i'm kind of strong and independent and it seems like these women are very much like hey i'm gonna follow your lead and it's 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 jarring and I'm not saying it like oh you have to deal with a woman like me but it's like I know a lot of my friends who are like that and we're not very like docile or like you know okay like you go ahead and like you be the breadwinner I'm gonna sit back no like fuck that like I'm gonna do it myself I definitely think that um movies are like rom-coms in a way kind of god i hate (laughs) rom-coms i didn't even have to (laughs) oh never mind (laughs) can't even mention the word rom-com i hate them well rom-coms in a way kind of give this kind of idea to men that they're supposed to be superior than us and like we're supposed to be this submissive type of person and I also hate that the way they portray men is that they never have this, like, moment to be fragile. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many men and young boys I met when I was younger that have cried because of women. And I think that's something that people should realize because in their kind of point of view, too, they go through things and, like, relationships don't work and they love these people. And it ends up in tears. And it's just realistic. Yeah, definitely. Relationships are one of the hardest things to deal with. You never really... It's all communication, basically. And I don't think these movies that we're watching or they're showcasing are really well done because I I just hate to say it but like what are they feeding us in Disney it's disgusting hi I love Disney I, <laughs> I know. not so much for the love part but like the part where like crabs sing and like that's the part I like where I'm like <laughs> like Hercules the part where he says he can go the distance oh chills actually if we're gonna talk about that one of the most realistic songs in Disney is I won't say I'm in love but the part where like she's not gonna say it and like <laughs> stop making her say it um, um yeah I definitely I definitely agree with all that as someone on the outside and I also agree with the part where 
like you have to say I love you constantly because uh, I run away from things like that. And if someone's like, I love you, I'd be like, God, <laughs> I don't think we should be playing with such a large term. No, it's like a dynamite bomb. Like <laughs> I think about it all the time and I'm just like, I feel like there's so many times where I, especially when I was young, when I didn't know what I was doing, that I fell for these words. So simply, like, Definitely. I love you. And I was like, oh, my God, he loves me. I shall love him, too. What idiot. <laughs> right. Just because he loves you doesn't mean you have to love him. And I think I fell into this trope that was kind of fed into me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Honestly, all those men having boys, I guess, because I was younger. We're not practically the greatest people in the world. No, I can think of a couple guys that I was like, yes, I want you to be the first person I say I love you to. Looking back, I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> uh, so glad. Nothing against you, boys. Hi. Um, some of you know who you are. Some of you don't. Some of you haven't told me you know who you are, but I'm sure you do. Yeah. But you know who I really love? My mommy. Um, I love my mommy. Shout out to my mommy. I love you. So, yeah, um, I think that's all the questions I got. Is that all the questions you got? I think that's it. Okay, guys. Um, so thank you so much for listening. But before we go, um, we're just going to talk about a little sister project that this is connected to. Jasmine, would you like to talk about Chaotic Merge? Yes. Um, Chaotic Merge magazine is a literary magazine that I'm launching. Um, woo woo! <laughs> thank you. Um, I thought as, like upcoming writers and artists of any form that we should have an outlet to submit to. I feel like there's not a lot of outlets out there for us to submit. Like most screenwriters have to um, kind of submit their work to um, competitions. It's exhausting. (laughs) And I think we should have as much opportunity as possible to submit our work, to get recognized, to build a community to feel safe in and that's kind of the reason why I started Chaotic Merge and I hope one day I'll be able to do these cool events where people can just communicate and get a grasp of what they're going into and what they love and I think that's all that really can come from it definitely um that's really great jasmine i'm glad that you're like pursuing this and i'm glad to be a part of it even if it's in this adjacent way all because i i wanted to run anime club um so thank you so much for listening if you would like to find us elsewhere and like you know get to know us a little bit better uh you can definitely check out our twitters and our instagrams uh my twitter is at bailey peabody one that's b-a-i-l-e-y-p-e-a-b-o-d-y one and my instagram is bailey peabody 13 that's b-a-i-l-e-y-p-e-a-b-o-d-y one three jasmine would you like to give out your information yeah so all my social media has the same tag name oh (laughs) boring i just think it should be consistent (laughs) i didn't realize we were building brands (laughs) i don't know i really liked my at name i kept it for a very long time so my at name is jazzy what yes and let me spell that for you it's J-A-Z-Z-Y-W-A-T-Y-E-S. Nice. Uh, would you like to give the information on p- where people can find Chaotic Merge magazine? Yeah. So all the information for um, Chaotic Merge is actually all the same. Um, so we have an Instagram page, a Facebook page, and a website. You can, follow, you can find all this information under the website at chaoticmergemagazine.com. 
nice. Uh, we currently don't have an email, a Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we don't have anything for Written Chaos yet, but I'm working on it. And by next episode, I will have that information so you can follow us and keep up to date with us. But please uh, come back for next episode. We have a bunch of topic ideas that we're very excited to talk about. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.